0: feeling. And even if I don't know you well, uh, it's still great to see your faces. And um, anyway, my, uh, my message this morning, I have to confess, uh, I stole part of it. And one thing I have learned about uh, ideas, you have to give credit where credit is due. There's this word called plagiarism that is really big at the universities. I don't know, it's just kind of crazy. But uh, I will give credit where credit is due. One of my jobs at uh, the network office is I get to take minutes at presbytery meetings when all the regional presbyters get together and then they discuss business. And uh, Pastor Mike is our uh, central region presbyter, so he's there too. And our uh, treasurer, Jack Aiken, he was uh, giving his last devotion because he is retiring from the uh, treasurer position. And uh, he did this amazing devotion. And I was taking notes frantically. Every presbyter was taking notes frantically. It was about Mary, of all things. This, this man who was uh, speaking to a room full of men was, gave his last devotion about Mary. Mary. And I love that. And so afterwards, Pastor Mike and I were talking at lunchtime, and I said, there's a sermon or two in those. And he goes, yeah, I know. And I'm like, I'm going to write one up. And he's like, me too. And I'm like, I'm going to get to preach it first. And he goes, well, we will see. And so here I am. He loses. (laughs) So I get to preach mine first. But... uh, So I just, I did take uh, some some of the thoughts that that Jack Aiken had so um, amazingly put together. And I made some of them my own, and some of them are his. But um, I just, something about that message just spoke to me. And so I would like to share it with you. And yes, it is kind of Christmassy, but we can deal with that in May, right? Yeah, okay, we're good. So it is the Word of God it's good for all seasons. So, I uh, was just thinking about uh, the spring, and we tend to uh, make changes in spring. We put away our winter coats, and we pull out our spring jackets, and we, uh, we bring out the flowered clothes and put away all the, uh, the heavy wools, and well, sometimes in Alaska, we pull out the heavy wools in spring, because it's still chilly. But, um, we change. We graduate from high school. Do we got a graduate here? I know Trent is graduating. Oh, there's one right there, Kenny. And, uh, he's graduating. And we have people graduate from college. Pastor went to get his son, who's graduated from college. And people are planning weddings. And all these things are happening, these big changes of life. And, uh, parents who have graduates, they're beginning to look toward empty nest. And all these changes begin to happen and we begin to wonder, what's next for me? What's next in this next season of life? What does God have for me? Maybe that purpose that you have been working towards is changing. Maybe even a career change, who knows? All these things that change. And I I thought about that a little bit, and uh, my life has been changing since I have kind of become an empty nester. My kids kind of come and go, but, um, and God has called me to different, a different kind of uh, ministry, a different kind of purpose, and, um, and it's been a challenge, and that's kind of what I'd like to talk to you about today. I'm going to uh, read to you from Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. You can follow along if you like. I have written this in the New American Standard Version. So if you don't have that version, it might be a little tricky. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored of the Lord. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So as we look at this little story, this little snippet out of the Christmas story, we, um, we really tend to focus on uh, that part that talks about what Jesus is going to be, the, the, the Son of the Most High, the Lord God, We'll give him the throne of his, his father, David. And sometimes we kind of overlook Mary a little bit. But what about Mary? Let's just look at her. Mary was hesitant when the angel said to her, Mary, you're going to have a baby. And she was hesitant, and she was afraid. And she was afraid of the angel's greeting, And she wondered what kind of greeting this could be. And she was, she, she, uh, can you imagine? She's probably just a common girl. She's probably 14, 15, 16, anywhere up to 20 maybe. And an angel tells her that she's going to be the mother of the Most High. Well, she's just a common girl. There were any number of uh, descendants of David who were virgin girls at that time that could have been the mother of Jesus, but God chose her. Just a common, everyday girl. She wasn't rich. She may not have even been beautiful. We always see the Christmas cards and Mary is just this beautiful woman. She may not have been. She may have had crooked teeth. We don't know. But God chose her and it was frightening to her. And the angel spoke to her again and said, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Don't be afraid. Jesus said that to the big old fishermen, didn't he? Those big, brave, burly men in the boat where there was no solid ground to stand on. He said, Don't be afraid. So the angel said to Mary, Don't be afraid. And why should she not be afraid? Why does she not need to be afraid? Because God was with her. His presence surrounded her. She was his. And because she was God's, his presence was there, she was highly favored. It didn't matter if she was common. It didn't matter that she was young. And it didn't matter that she was a virgin. She was chosen of God. She was highly favored, and therefore she didn't need to be afraid. I turned my page. Here we go. Also, Mary was not alone. The angel made sure that she had some sort of a sign, some confidence, that uh, God was going to do what he said he was going to do. Her cousin Elizabeth was already experiencing her miracle. She was a woman who was older, unlike Mary, who was young. She was no longer a virgin, unlike Mary, who was a virgin. But she was never able to have a child. She was barren. And that barrenness would bring shame upon a woman. She was probably felt she really had no purpose except to take care of her old husband. But now, God blessed her, and she was carrying a child of her own in her old age. And this, could, this news just heartened Mary, and it gave her hope that she could also succeed in this event. The angel told her, even Elizabeth, your relative is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. God doesn't tell us things and then not work it in us. His word is yes and amen. Amen. Whatever he speaks to us, he's going to fulfill in us. Whether it's a young girl becoming pregnant by the Holy Spirit or an old woman who is barren, finally conceiving. If he can do that for Mary and for Elizabeth, can't he do that for us? With our dreams, with our hopes, with those things that surprise us? Hey, I'm going to move on here. Those things that Mary felt disqualified her. She was afraid. She was a virgin. She knew that virgins do not have babies. People who had babies were no longer virgins. So she knew that because of her inexperience, which was not a bad thing because she wasn't married yet, disqualified her from what God had called her to do. She asked the angel, How am I going to do this? How, am I, how will this be? I'm still a virgin. But the angel talked for God, saying, Nothing is impossible with God. So the very things that caused Mary to be disqualified were the things that allowed God to do the miraculous. And sometimes we look at what God calls us to do and we think it's impossible. And we disqualify ourselves. I don't have the I don't have the talent for that. I don't have the means for it. I don't have what it takes. But in that disqualification is room for a miracle, and God births that in us. It frightens us. Maybe we're afraid to step out into what God is calling us to do, and maybe we give up before we even start. And before we even say yes, when um, my daughter Jolene, her husband Mike is here with Mila. I don't see Jolene. But when she was a young woman, before she got married, she went to school. She was my uh, student child. She went to the University of Anchorage. She got her degree. And I sat in the bleachers at, um, what is it, the Sullivan Arena. And she was just this little thing about this tall, because she was so far down there, we were so high up and i 'll tell you my heart walked with her down that aisle, that long aisle with all those other graduates in her gown and her little motorboard and I w- saw her walk down the aisle and up the, the ramp and across the platform where she shook the hands of of these learned men, and then off the platform again, and Something stirred in me. And on the way home, I said, Tom, I want to go back to school. I want to walk down that aisle. I want to shake the hands of those learned men. And he said to me, you know you have to write papers and take tests, right? (laughs) And I went, oh, okay, well, maybe not. And I just kind of, at that point, let that just drop to the side, and I went back to life as usual. I felt like the calling didn't fit. And maybe at that moment it didn't. God was preparing my heart. But then a few years later, Jolene was at it again, and we were at a hooding ceremony. And as that hood was placed around her neck, and I watched that, I felt that stirring again. I want to go back to school. And I was sharing that with, with my sister Masha while we were walking in the dark one cold winter morning. And I felt like the Lord whispered to me, and I could probably show you right where that place is, you're going to get your bachelor's degree. And I'm like, Lord, I already decided I, I'll settle for just a community college and, and take a few courses, and I'll, um, if I can't do that, I'll, I'll get an associate's. And that's good enough for me. But that word would not let me go. And I went home and I got on the computer and I changed my, uh, my goals in that little place that you do it so that they can decide, help you choose your courses. And I put a bachelor degree as my goal. Was I afraid? Yes. I didn't know if I had what it took. Here I am, I'm... Um, 50 years old, I'm a grandmother. I have some, some college from when I was in my 20s, and it was all music stuff. And uh, my counselor said, don't you want to get a minor in music? And I'm like, no. And I didn't have anything else because that's all he did was music. But you know what? The Lord was with me. There was no money in the, in the budget for me to go back to school, but God provided provided so for me to go with with a full amount that I didn't have to pay a single dime out for school. And he's been providing for me. And of course, here I am 5 years later and I'm almost a senior. I have a few more credits before I become a senior at the University of Anchorage, Alaska. I'll be a senior who's a senior. <laughs> and I only have 4 more years left at the rate I'm going. I'm doing two classes a semester. But you know what? I am just going to trust that I'm going to make it to the end. And sometimes I get to the point where I'm discouraged and I, it's too much and I have work and I have grandkids and weddings and all sorts of, of exciting things. And how am I ever going to do this? And then I'll get something in encouragement in the form of a text message. Or God will speak to my heart. And I will continue on that, that thing that God has called me to do. And I tell myself that no word from God will ever fail. And do I feel like maybe it wasn't from God? Sometimes, but you know what? He always reassures me. So, in the business of life changing of seasons brings changing of ministry or calling it doesn't revoke the call but it brings changes graduations retirements marriages career reevaluations all those things help us to reevaluate where god is taking us in the next season of our lives what is god calling you to do are you unqualified for that calling mm-hmm. Remember that the things that disqualify you give God opportunity to do the miraculous in you. Don't forget that. Next, I just want to talk about a little bit about Mary's submission. She told the angel she was afraid. She told the angel she was disqualified. But the angel told her all the things that God had said. And then she said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word, be, word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So, after Mary's submission, what did that bring about? Mary's yes to God was more than just a nine-month commitment. The baby Jesus wasn't born, and then an angel took him to heaven for God to raise. That's not how it worked. Mary was the mother of the Son of God. And we might want to even ask ourselves if a teenage girl is competent to raise the son of God. That's a pretty big thing. Can't she even make that decision for herself? Shouldn't she have discussed it with her mom before she said yes, you know? Maybe, you know, her mother wanted to know about this. Because after all, this placing the Savior in the care of a teenage girl Come on, that doesn't even make sense. What was God thinking? But he had a plan. He would not have called Mary if he didn't know she could succeed. Mary, first of all, received the wondress when she submitted. The Christmas story. The angels. The shepherds. The three kings. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary, she treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. She held them close to her. These were things that were something special. We take pictures now and we share it with everybody on Facebook. But Mary thought about these things and she remembered them and she held them in her heart. They were special things. They were things that brought her joy. But she didn't only have the joy, she had the worry. Remember Jesus when he was 12 years old? Yeah, we know that 12 year olds can be a little bit difficult. And this is what happened with Mary and Jesus. After three days, they were searching for Jesus because he'd wandered off. They found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Jesus was a human child, but he had a, the father that that was... Uh, A deity. It was Jesus. Jesus was God. God was his father. And this stirring, I just think that about 12 years old, he was like searching for that place that God had called him to. And he knew it was there with the priests. And he was teaching the priests. I love that. But when Mary found him, she was a little bit peeved. (laughs) And she's like, why, why didn't you tell me where you were going? We've been looking everywhere for you. She had been struggling with that for three days. She was worried. What if your 12 year old had wandered off for three days? How would you feel? It was, a, it was a hard time, too, with all the Romans around. Who knew what could have happened to him? But she took that as well and pondered it because he was where he felt he belonged, where he did belong in the temple. Talking about his father. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And even though they didn't understand all of that, she took those things and she treasured those as well. When um, my kids began to grow up, you know, they start growing away from you. At about, I don't know, a year old, they wean. And then at two, they take off running. Running. And you chase them everywhere and they start pushing away. They don't want to be hugged or cuddled anymore. When they get to be about four or five, you have to you have to steal kisses because they don't want kisses. I remember Julian once I, I put him in his car seat and I had this thing that I always did when I would take them I'd put them in their car seat and give them a little kiss on the top of their head. And he pointed at some uh, words that were on his car seat. Said, the big red letter caution, he goes, this says no kisses ever. <laughs> I wounded I was wounded because the separation was beginning the cuddles were going to cease and as we as parents or as moms or as uh aunts and uncles and grandparents or whatever we began to feel that separation and it's it's painful although we we want them to separate eventually but it's not always easy. And when uh, Kristen got married, she was uh, the, my first daughter to marry. And I, uh, I wrote in my journal the next day about that experience. And um, so in my journal, I'm beginning here, I'm going to read to you a little bit. Turning around and see her standing at the door with her father waiting to come down the aisle. I can't remember if she even glanced my way. I think not. She only had eyes for the young man who had captured her heart months ago. And I kept telling myself, this is that moment, the one we've been working toward. And I suddenly felt a great sadness. And as Tom joined me on the pew, I leaned toward him and whispered, This makes my heart hurt because I actually felt a physical sort of tearing taking place in my chest. He looked at me with a look that made me know he hadn't understood what I had said, and I couldn't say it again without sobbing, so I let it go. And somehow I knew he was dealing with a ripping in his own soul. Joy and pain are often so closely related that we cannot separate them. It's like the bone and marrow talked about in scripture which can only be divided by a divine sword. They mingle and separate alternately, leaving us exhausted and wondering which way is up. The birth of a child is a messy, pain-filled joy. The homegoing of an elderly parent brings us mournful relief. And the marriage of a beloved daughter brings sorrow as well as gladness. But we know we would never change a moment of this. The joy will slowly overtake the sorrow, and we will bring our basket-case emotions back to center, and life will begin a new normal until the next joyful ripping. So Mary suffered these things as well. And then we look at Mary's confidence. Confidence. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana. I'm reading from John chapter 2. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, You do whatever he tells you. So Mary and Jesus and the disciples were invited to a wedding. And uh, Mary, uh, from if, if you look into the cultures and, and of the time, Mary was probably a relative of the bride or the mother of the bride. And she was in charge of making sure the refreshments were good. So Mary is, is looking around and she's looking and the servants are telling her, there's no more wine. And these celebrations would last for a week. And it would be a disgraceful thing if the wedding ran short of wine. It would be a disgrace to the parents of the bride. So um, Mary talks to Jesus. And when he says, woman, why do you involve me? That was not an irritating tone. We have to understand this. Woman in that time was a, a form of respect. He's, he's, calling, he's speaking to his mother with respect. And he's asking her, basically, what do you want me to do? And she says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, I don't think Mary knew how Jesus was going to solve the problem. I don't think she knew that he was going to turn the water into wine. But I do know that she had the confidence that Jesus was going to do what needed to be done. He may have sent the servants to the quick stop, I don't know. He may, she, he may have, uh, I don't know, just pulled out some bottles from somewhere. She didn't know how he was going to do it, but she knew he was going to take care of the problem and that it was going to be all right. She had confidence in his ability to do the impossible. You can have confidence that whatever it is that you require to fulfill the calling, on your life, Jesus will provide. We may not know how the answer will come, but we can, be pro- we can be confident he will provide. He will do whatever he has to do to make sure that you are successful in your calling. Paul told Timothy in Philippians one three through six, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel, which is the which that is the calling for Timothy. From the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ, until Jesus takes us to heaven. So whatever it is that he has called you to do, have confidence that he will give you what you need to complete that calling. And of course we know that along with Mary's submission to the will of God, to his calling to her, there was agony. This is from John 2, through 35. Then Simon blessed them. Mary is presenting Jesus at the temple as a baby. And said to Mary his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your soul too. We have a video clip coming. if Mary had said no? But God knew she wouldn't because he knew that he could entrust his son to her and he would be there to do whatever she needed, even to see her son die. Jack Aiken said in his uh, devotion, the cost of withholding submission from God is greater than the cost of doing what God calls you to do. The call of God is not revocable. He won't take it back. Once He's called you, you're going to feel that calling, whether you run, whether you hide from it, whether you ignore it, or whether you pretend you haven't heard it. It will be there and it will follow you. Maybe for you today, it's the call to salvation. And once you've heard that call to salvation, you can't escape it. It will be there. There's a song that says, Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down. Fights till I'm found. Leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And it is that reckless love of God that calls us to trust him, no matter how impossible or how disqualified you may think you are for the calling. He calls us to holiness. The Spirit, Holy Spirit continues to call us to a life of continual growth. Romans 12 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to to test and approve what God's will is, his good will, pleasing and perfect. And today maybe your calling is just to live that holy life. To learn how to trust God. To learn how to let him help you overcome those things that tempt you. Those things that cause you to fall. It's a hard thing to say yes to God. But the, but the cost, remember, is, is, be- is, is less than what the cost would be if you don't. You don't want to find out what will happen if you don't answer God's call to salvation. We know what it is. You're lost eternally. We don't want that. We don't know what you will accomplish with, with God's calling when you say yes, just like a small village girl said yes, and trust in God. Allow him to take that place that is empty and fill it with the miraculous. Mary's song, Luke 1:46 through 55 He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud and their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, and he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So, saying yes, there's joy, there's worry, there's sorrow. There might even be some agony. But in the end, it's that fulfilling love of God that makes the cost worth it. So our worship team, if you could come back. Rio and uh, just play something. We're going to sing another worship course before we're gone, but I want to pray for you. And I would, I would like to invite you, if you would like prayer, Brother Hicks is here. He's such a gentle, warm, loving person to pray for you. We also I would also be happy to pray with you about something. We have board members here that would be willing to pray. And uh, if you haven't answered that call to salvation... Please talk to one of us and let us pray with you about that because God's willing to come and receive you. So let's pray. Father, what an amazing thing you did in marriage. And what an amazing thing you want to do in us and have done in us. There are people here today that are doing things that they had never dreamed they would do. And you have given them the strength and the courage. And you have taken their uh, their small little pence uh, of coins or whatever it is that they have offered to you. And you have multiplied them. And you have given them everything they need. And Lord, there are some here today that are facing decisions, wondering what it is that they're supposed to do. And I just pray, Lord, that you will make it clear to them that calling... Lord, I may pray that you will give them courage to, to take up the, the uh, cross, so to speak. Say, yes, Lord, I will do it. I will go where you want me to go. I'll be what you want me to be. Even if it causes agony. Even if it causes sorrow. And I will find joy in knowing that I have done what you have asked me to do. Lord, I just ask that you would be with these people as they um, go about their lives this week that you would keep them safe, Lord, that you would speak to them, that they would hear your voice at every turn, at every crossroad, that they would be able to uh, bear your word to the lost. Lord, I ask that you will give them strength for the day, provide for their needs. We ask it in Jesus' name.